Hey, New Hope Church, I hope and pray that you are having a great Sunday so far. I also hope that you will whisper a prayer for me today as I am in the western part of the state speaking at Ridgecrest Conference and Retreat Center. I am speaking on family ministries and being anchored in Christ as a family, and I really would covet your prayers. Hey, I want to give a warm shout out and welcome to all of the campuses. Of course, I'm talking about our Kenya campus, Sanford campus, Garner campus, Wake Forest, Hillsboro, Durham campus. Those of you who are watching this online and particularly today, I want to give a warm shout out and welcome to our Columbia campus. Please know that I'm praying for you. I'm also excited about next weekend as you guys get to celebrate what God has done there and Pastor Jesse gets to bring the word. I'm just really, really praying for you guys these days. Hey, next Sunday, I wanted to go ahead and let you know that we are kicking off a brand new message series titled Old Cross, New Me. And I wanna go ahead and tell you in advance so that you can go ahead and jump into the scriptures this week and read Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8. I have found in the scriptures no four chapters that are more power-packed, theologically rich, and deep in the message of the gospel than Romans 5 through 8. Hey, if you want some extra credit or you want to do some extra reading, just back on up to Romans 1 and read through the book of Romans. But really hunker down in Romans 5 through 8. This series will take us right through Holy Week and Easter. I'm fully aware that I've kind of been out of the pocket recently visiting campuses and doing some speaking outside of New Hope, but I want you to know I am so fired up and cannot wait to get back in the pocket a week from today and teach this series, Old Cross, New Me. Hey, I also want to just remind you, I'm sure you've already heard about it, but this coming Friday night, we are going to have a night of worship titled Light It Up. And if you've been to these, you know they are incredible. All of the campuses descend on the Durham campus and we just worship. I bring a brief message, but it is just a night of passionate worship. Again, that is this Friday, March 13th at 7 p.m. Hey, Keith Barreto is our Wake Forest campus pastor, and he has a message today titled, Made for More. And if you've seen or heard Keith preach, you know he's a gifted communicator. So why don't you grab those Bibles, grab those teaching notes, get that pen, open up that app, whatever the case may be. Let's lean in today and ask God to speak to our hearts. Why don't you do what you always do and give it up and welcome Pastor Keith Barreto to our stage today. Here we go. What's up, New Hope? New Hope, what's up? How is everybody feeling this morning? All right, I hope you came ready for the Word of God today. Is anybody glad to be in the house of God today? Hey, while we're clapping, let's go ahead and welcome all of our campuses. Come on, I'm talking about our Garner campus, Hillsboro, Sanford, Columbia. Welcome our Kenya campuses. How about everybody watching online? We are so glad you joined us. And would you please help me welcome our Wake Forest campus, everybody. Show some love to Wake Forest. 
Hey, so Pastor has asked that I deliver a personal message on behalf of Pastor, and I know he said it on the stream, but what he wanted to, you to know is that he so desperately wants to be right back here at New Hope to be able to be with us and to preach right here in his own pulpit. You know, there's an old saying that says there's no place like home, right? And there's no place like New Hope Church. No matter where you go, believe it or not, there is no place like New Hope. And so I'm excited about the series that he has coming, Old Cross, New Me. I'm already in Romans 5. And so I just want to encourage you to jump down into the Word of God. You know, it's one thing when we come to church and pastor has a great word and we hear it and we learn something. And it's another thing, though, when you've been in the Scriptures all week long and then you come to church and God confirms some of the things that you've already learned, right? That's really cool when it's that way because we find ourselves feeding ourselves the word of God and that's a sign of maturity as a believer in Christ. So I just wanna encourage you, come hungry for these next couple of weeks, come ready and uh, let's go get this. All right, so check it out. I wanna start off today's message a little bit different than normally probably at New Hope over the history of New Hope has ever been. I'd like to start off with an acapella rap, if that's okay with you guys. Uh, so um, maybe you've heard that I've got a little hip-hop name and all that, uh, Christian hip-hop group and stuff. So anyway, uh, I thought maybe he could come out for just a moment and we would introduce uh, Coco Beretta to the stage. So, so check this out. And so this is actually a personal testimony. I call it my, my, my mission statement. And I wanted to share it with you guys this morning. Is that okay? Yeah. All right, so check it out. I'm gonna try to go slow enough so that you can listen. <laughs> All right, so check it. 22 years in realizing how I've been living with memories of felonies got me locked up in this system. But at midnight caught a vision of Jesus's crucifixion. The Lord, he shook up my prison, transforming me to a Christian. Now I'm purpose-driven, fulfilling the great commission to go into all the world for Jesus for souls I'm fishing and preaching to those who sin and believing the one who's risen, making Jesus as your Lord was my vital decision. The revolution to Christian, now on your block with a mission. Envision a generation of soldiers to go to nations, not to fight a holy war, but for reconciliation between the king and the people. Jesus, the king and unequal, legally freed us from evil, prodigal son and your steeple have overcome by the blood of the son and power and people. And for allowing the feeble to rise above all their fears, now grab Ephesians armor because the revolution is here. <laughs> So I wanted to share that with you because that is a personal testimony. What is a, what is a testimony? A testimony is a story of life change. It talks about how God comes into your life after the cross. Once you have that encounter with Jesus and he turns your life around, that is the testimony. You made it through a test and that is your testimony. And I wanted to share that with you. Uh, the title of the message today is called Made for More. Look at somebody and say, you were made for more. And this is what I want to tell you about. The message title is good, I believe, all by itself, but this is what I really want to tell you today. The world needs to hear what you have to say. The world needs to hear what you have to say. So write this down if you would, and we're going to jump right down into it. 
Opposition plus determination equals accomplishment. Opposition plus determination equals accomplishment. All right, so we're going to be reading in the book of Romans, chapter number 8 and 28. Are you ready for the word today? All right, I got you hyped up with that acapella, right? Here we go. Let's, let's do this. Let's read Romans 8, 28 together as a movement. Come on across all of our campuses. Let's read out loud. Here we go. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. May God add his blessing to the reading of the word. So what if I told you that God is able to take every negative circumstance in your life and use it to your benefit. Mm. The Apostle Paul, when he wrote, he didn't say, and we know that God is able to do some things, right? When he wrote this, he said that God is able to do all things, all things, able to make work all things together for good. So in other words, God is able to take the negative situations in your life and turn them into positive ones. That God is able to take your pain and make you stronger. That, that, that God is able to do all things in our lives. Now a skeptic might say, well, doesn't then God create the pain? No, not at all. In fact, let's take a look at 1 Corinthians 10 and 13. This is gonna support that statement that I just made. You ready to read this together? Come on, let's do it. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So according to the scriptures, God doesn't set you up to fail the test. But he uses the test to your advantage. That's good, isn't it? He turns the negatives into positives. Uh, just, just dream with me, if you will. He, he, he takes darkness and illuminates lights. He allows muscles to tear before you get stronger. And so the phrase is, no pain. Ah, uh, you guys work out at the same gym. Uh-huh. Right? So God uses opposition to make us stronger. He uses resistance to develop us, to mold us, to shape us. According to Hebrews 5 and 8, the scripture says that even Jesus experienced this. The word says that even Jesus learned obedience by the things that he suffered, right? So opposition then becomes the spring training ground for God to develop us and to transform us into the image of God's son. If you read in Romans 8 and 28, you drop down one verse to verse 29, the end goal, opposition plus determination equals accomplishment. The end goal is in Romans 8, 29, and that is to be conformed to the image of God's Son. So it's not that God sends opposition, but God uses the opposition and anything thrown at you to your advantage. He uses things like how you were raised, or how you were discriminated against, or, or how you were rejected, or how someone took advantage of you. God is even able to use that to your advantage. 
He's even able to make foolish mistakes and use those to your advantage. Things that, things, foolish opportunities that maybe things that opportunities you blew or, or, or things that, that maybe you shouldn't have done, like sins that you committed, knuckle-headed decisions that you made. God is even able to take those things and work them to your advantage. Now, this is by no means a license to go out there and you know, do a bunch of stuff and then say, God will forgive me. Right, Because that's abusing God's grace. But what I am saying is God is able to take the unfortunate things that have taken place in our lives and he can use it to our advantage. So I opened up with that acapella rap for you guys because at 22 years old, I gave my life to the Lord, my whole heart. I rededicated my life to Jesus. And when I did, man, I was hungry for the things of God. So much so that even my mother was concerned because I would go after work at 5.30, I would come home and lock myself in the room and I would read the Bible all the way up until midnight. I did that for months. She's like, you're gonna fast yourself skinny. And, and, and I didn't care. I was just hungry for God. So several weeks and months of doing this, I really began to hear from God and I started thinking over my life and I said, you know what, Lord? Hip-hop has been a big influence in my life and in the lives of my friends in a negative way, though. There's some positives, but in a negative way. So I said, you know what, Lord? I want to be able to write rap for you so that I could represent you to this youth culture. Now, God is my witness, all right? <laughs> the next night, I sat down. I know it might sound like a preacher story, but we're in the church right now, and I'm going to tell the truth on a Sunday. And... and yeah, yeah. I always tell the truth. I, well, I try my, well, let me step out of that. Hold up. <laughs> We're all in need of a savior, right? But listen, the next night I was sitting down and, and I was like, let me see if God heard me. And I started writing and I wrote a, a paragraph to a song. Now it wasn't very good at all. It was kind of lame, you know, in the hip hop world, it's whack. But I just continued working that and working it and reading the word and working it. So several months later, we're in a church service and Pastor Dan says, hey, we need a, a volunteer or two to go to our local detention center, to a youth detention center so that we can go and do ministry. You know, ministry is how we communicate the word of God. So we try to do a church service in a youth prison to kids who are urban and from urban areas. And the only problem is we went in there with suburban tools, right? <laughs> now, God, you know, God loved them, right? I mean, I love those people. They love those kids. They really love them. And they're my friends even still to this day. But we're talking about urban youth. You guys heard of Vanilla Ice, right? Ice, Ice Baby. Yeah, this team was all vanilla and no ice. Yeah. <laughs> Right? My guy is up there leading worship with an acoustic guitar with a pair of jeans and flip-flops. And, and if that's your swag, okay, hey, sorry. Uh, you know, nothing against you, but we're, we're in a prison right, with kids from the city. And he's up there, he's jamming, and the kids are laughing, and they're pointing, and all of a sudden a string breaks, and it was like we lost control. They're like, ah! And then another string breaks during the worship, and I'm in the back, and I'm like, man, this is terrible. My other friend said, this is a disaster. This is embarrassing, right? And I was like, man, he's like, don't you have something? And I was like, you know, 
I got this gift that God just gave me, but I've never performed live yet, you know, so I'm really nervous. And so I go to the team lead and I'm like, hey, uh, you mind if I go up there maybe and just take the microphone? And he's like, well, what do you want to say? I was like, well, I just want to, you know, maybe give a little rap. He's like, a Christian rap? He's like, I said, yeah. He's like, yes, please, please, you know, please get, get up on the stage. And I dropped a rap, and you know, when you guys respond, you gave me that, that a really nice clap and, and a little couple shouts and some even some golf claps. It's different, though, in a prison, right? If they're really feeling it, after I got done, the whole place erupted. Several hundred kids in jail. They started jumping up, and they were high-fiving each other. I don't know if you've ever seen, like, a celebration when people are really, really excited. But, man, it was out of control. They were high-fiving each other. They didn't even high-five me. They were just high-fiving each other. I'm standing, I was like, uh-oh, we just lost control of this place. The guards flipped out. They started blowing whistles. They made everybody sit down. They were commanding them to sit down. And so I exited the stage. And it was right after that outreach event was over that the team lead came to me. And he said, Keith, let me tell you something. He said, we have been coming to this place for three years. We have never seen a response like that. He said, what you have is a gift and it was at that moment that I realized that God is able to use all of our backgrounds, the things that we've been through, the pain that we experience, the things that we've been exposed to, the things that we have been confronted with. God, once we come to the cross, God is able to heal those things, and then he is then able to use that to your advantage for a platform for your personal ministry. Because the world needs to hear what you have to say. So check this out. We're going to jump down into the book of Kings. We're going to 2 Kings chapter number 7 and verse 1. Are you guys still with me? All right, we're going to read this thing. I'm reading out of the Message Bible today. This is a profound passage of Scripture. Watch this. Before we get into it, let me just set it up for you. Uh, there is a city called uh, Samaria. And Samaria has been surrounded by an enemy army. There is a king by the name of Ben-Hadad. He controls the army of Aram. And so he's about to invade this city. But what armies would do is if they realized that they could not breach the city walls or if their army wasn't strong enough to invade another city, what they would do is they would encamp around the city and then they would wait it out. Sometimes this might take weeks, sometimes even months until the city lost its resources and then they grew weak. This is exactly what's taking place right here. There is a famine that has hit Samaria. And as a result, God finally said, it's enough. And so he sends a prophet to the city of Samaria, to the king, to tell them that the, the famine's about to be over. God is about to make a way. But it's so bad that they were eating donkey's heads is what the scripture says. Have you ever had a plate of donkey? <laughs> right? Waiter, I'll take the plate of donkey, medium rare, if you, if you could. Right? Like, like, so this is bad. In fact, the scripture even says a chapter before this or two that they even began to eat one another. I mean, they got it bad. Welcome to New Hope Church, where we hope you come and find a word of encouragement from the Bible this morning. Amen. Right? Um, 
So, so, so God says, I'm going to send a prophet so that he can declare that this famine's about to be over. Now, a prophet is a middleman between God and the people. God would speak. The prophet would then speak to the people, and then God would make it happen, even if it wasn't possible, and he can do that because he's God, <laughs> and he is awesome, right? And so we're about to pick it up right here in verse 1, reading out of the Message Bible. Watch this. So Elisha, this is the prophet, he said, listen, God's word, the famine's over. This time tomorrow, food will be plentiful, a handful of meal for a shekel, two handfuls of grain for a shekel. The market at the city gate will be buzzing. The attendant on whom the king leaned for support said to the holy man, now watch this. You expect us to believe that? <laughs> Trap doors opening in the sky and food tumbling out. And watch what Elisha says to this gentleman. He says, you'll watch it with your eyes, he said, but you will not eat so much as a mouthful. The thing that was going to keep this king's servant from receiving the blessing of God was doubt. He had been through a famine that affected him in such a way it caused him to have a hesitation toward the things of God. If we were to interview this man, he'd be like, what do you expect? I mean, we're out here in the middle of a famine. My cousin just ate a head of donkey for crying out loud, right? Like, like they have really been going through it. And here's what I have found, that sometimes things that we have been through, trauma, pain, even bad experiences, can put a hesitation or a fear in our heart that can block us from receiving a blessing from God. So I don't know about you guys, but here's my story. Uh, at eight years old, my mother came to me and said, your father is gone. He's left. And, uh, and you're the man of the house now. I was like, what? What do you mean he left? He, he didn't even say goodbye. I mean, I, I love this guy. What, what are you talking about? And, and I had to deal with that. It hit me hard. Time passed. Now, three years later, she meets another man, and they get married, and, and I really love this guy. In fact, I began to call him dad. You know, he was coming to some of my baseball games, and, and, and we were a family, and then my sister came along, and now we were a, a real family like the other kids that I had seen out in the baseball field and my sports field and, and, and at school, and we were a real family, and then they got a divorce. And it hit me so hard. You know, the scripture says in Hebrews 12, in verse 1, let us run this race set before us with perseverance. But sometimes our run can look like a crawl because of the things that we've been through. And so time passed, and then my mother met another man. And I really, really liked this guy because he would take me fishing. He showed me some outdoor stuff. I mean, he was a really, really good guy. It was her high school sweetheart, and they reunited. And then we had moved again. This time we moved to Jersey City. And I was in, my goodness, four different states, 12 schools. We had lived in, in oh, excuse me, eight, four states, seven schools. We lived in 12 different houses. In my life, I've moved like 17 times, always being the new kid. And then that didn't work out. And then my mother met another man. And now I'm like, man, I'm really hesitant. I mean, he is a good guy, but I, I don't know. You think he'll be around? And 
Sure enough, he left as well. So at 15 years old, my mother met another man in church, and, and he is my dad to this day. They've been married over 25 years, but at 15 years old, amen. But at 15 years old, when he came into the picture, he was a great guy. But when he came in, I was like, this king's servant. I was like, this guy's gonna be gone just like the other ones. He's not gonna last long. It took me 10 years to call him dad. 10 years. And so now, at 22 years old, when I came to church and they began to talk about the father, heart of God, the loving father in heaven, who is your father, I was like, oh, Lord, no, 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 I can't, I can't deal with this. No, Lord, I got to hold on to this. I can't let this go. No way. This has been too good. I know Jesus as Lord. I, God is my Lord, but I don't know about Father because I had been wounded so badly from the past that I could no longer receive the blessing of God. And for many of us, we've been through things, and this at times is how we walk with God. So careful. Oh, Lord, I just don't want to lose what I've got. I got this illustration from a guy by the name of Francis Chan. <laughs> I didn't think I would use this, but uh, <laughs> just so I can give some credit to him. And he really took it to the next level. He said, sometimes in our faith, we can look like this. He said, I just want to live in a gated community. I just want to homeschool my children. We're going to eat organic. Right. Now, if you do that, that's fine, totally. I'm, I'm with you, I'm with you. But God never meant for us to live like that. God wants us to know that we have been made for more. God made you for so much more. The scripture says, come boldly to the throne. God wants to heal our hearts. The things that we go through, God never meant for them to make us bitter. He meant for them to make us better. And the world needs to hear what you have to say. Let's go to this third and fourth verse. Check this out. Watch this one here, because this is where it gets interesting. Now, now, watch these good old boys. It happened that four lepers were sitting just outside the city gate, and they said to one another, what are we doing sitting here at death's door? If we enter the famine-struck city, we'll die. If we stay here, we'll die. <laughs> So let's take our chances in the camp of Aram and throw ourselves on their mercy. If they receive us, we'll live. If they kill us, we'll die. We've got nothing to lose. <laughs> These are four men, and they are lepers. Lepers were forced to live outside the city, and they're going through it too. Sometimes it's not just in the nice neighborhoods that we're having some struggles, and sometimes it's not just in the other side of town where we're having struggles. Pain touches everybody. <laughs> Famine touches everybody. And so these men, they are now here in the famine, and they're like, what are we supposed to do? Nobody even cares about us. We're on the outskirts of town. Nobody's even looking here at us. Nobody sees us. They're like, we, we better make a move. Look at somebody and say, bust a move. Look at somebody else and say, bust a move. <laughs> you want it. You got it. You. Hey. hey. <laughs> my poor daughter. She's over there like, oh, my Lord. And I told him not to wear those shoes. And now he's dancing. <laughs> oh, my goodness. 
We had a man at our church by the name of Patrick Whalen when I used to be a student pastor in Rochester, New York, in the inner city. And Patrick had cancer in, its, in his final stages. And he was only with us for a couple of months, and, and then he passed on. And I remember asking him after a staff meeting, Patrick would go out into the city to the roughest of the roughest towns and crowds, and he would walk right up to, to people and tell them about Jesus. I'm talking people that you, you locked your doors when you ride by. He would go right into that part of town. And I remember asking him, I said, Patrick, aren't you ever afraid for your life or what's going to happen to you? He said, I'm about to die soon. He said, I want to know that I gave everything I had for Jesus before I go stand with him. Isn't that awesome? Could you imagine if we had that same kind of passion on the inside that said, I've got everything to lose, but really when it comes down to it, I've got nothing to lose. I want to live my life for Jesus. Is there anybody that would say, I want to give it all for Jesus? <laughs> I want to leave it all on the field for Jesus because he gave everything for me. I want to make sure that I give 100% for him so that when I stand before the Lord, I hear the words, well, well done, good and faithful servants. These men were like, man, we don't have any option. Let's make a move because the world needs to hear what you have to say. So now watch this fifth verse. Watch God come into the equation. Verse five says this. So after the sun went down, they got up and they went to the camp of Aram. When they got to the edge of the camp, surprise, <laughs> not a man in the camp, the master being God had made the army of Aram hear the sound of horses and a mighty army on the march. They told one another, the king of Israel hired the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Egypt to attack us. Panicked. They ran for their lives through the darkness, abandoning tents, horses, donkeys, the whole camp, just as it was running for dear life. Now watch this. These four lepers entered the camp and went into a tent. First, they ate and drank. Ooh, good God. They, they celebrated. And then they grabbed silver, gold, and clothing and went off and hid it. Then they came back, entered another tent, and looted it again, hiding their plunder. Now look at the God factor in this situation. These guys had nothing to lose, and oftentimes we think everything is on us, and we don't give God the opportunity to come into a situation. These guys took one small little chance, and as soon as they did, God stepped in. Oh, I wonder if there's anybody in the building, if there's anybody watching at our campuses or online. Have you ever had God step into a situation? You know, God will make a way when there is no way he can do that because he's God. We were just talking about how God is that undefeated champion who cannot lose. Oh, he's a champion. He's a mountain mover. He can do all things. As a matter of fact, instead of us always saying all the things that we can't be and all the things that we can't do and all the things that are impossible, what if we brought God into the equation in our lives and began to quote scriptures like Mark 9 and 23 that says, with God. 
God, all things are possible. Or Philippians 4.13 that says, I can do all things through Christ Jesus which strengthens me. God is undefeated. He cannot lose. And you're more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who loves you. Come on, help me celebrate Jesus today. Verse 9, finally they said to one another, we shouldn't be doing this. This is a day of good news and we're making it into a private party. If we wait around until morning, we'll get caught. Come on, let us go tell the good news to the king's palace because the world needs to hear what you have to say. See, your testimony is the good news fleshed out. Your testimony of how God changed your life brings the Bible to life. In the book of John, chapter 1 and verse 1, the scripture says this, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So we have the concept of the Word. If you drop down to verse 14, the scripture says, and the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we know that word to be Jesus, right? In other words, it wasn't enough for the word to just be the concept of truth that we could not experience or comprehend. So the word wrapped itself up in flesh and came down to earth, born of a virgin, in the person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus gave us the point of reference that we needed in order to be able to comprehend the love of God. Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Here's the reality. You may be the only Jesus that people see. Until they come to know Jesus, you may be the point of reference. You living your life for God, you having your life changed by God is proof that God exists. And when you continue leading your family and leading others and, and, and telling others about Christ, it's proof positive that God exists and that he keeps his promises. These lepers had it bad. They were the rejects of their city. They were the rejects of their town. They, they had to be identified by wearing torn clothes. They had to let their hair grow long. They had a certain things that they had to do. They could no longer live at home. I mean, these guys really went through things. They had a contagious disease. They couldn't live with their families. Families would bring food out to the outside of the city and leave it because these lepers lived by the dumpster. And then they would come and they would get their food. And if they wanted to speak to their family, they had to be within six feet from them. And if the wind was blowing, 150 feet from them. They were disconnected. They were treated poorly just because of their condition. But in spite of all that, these men still took responsibility to care for their community when God showed up in their lives. Oh, that's powerful. Because the world needs to hear what you have to say. You guys know that I, I coach athletics. I've, I've, I've spoken here before and I told you I coach athletics. One reason why I do that is because I want to be out there with my kids, right? I want to coach my kids. 
This is a great season that we're in in life and I wanna take advantage of it. Here's another reason. For the sake of those boys who don't have a daddy, if I can do something about it, I wanna do something about it because I don't wanna have another kid out there on a field who can't come to the Father Sunday because they don't have a daddy. That hurts when you go through that. We're gonna have a Father Sunday, uh, Father Sunday out here on the field. Oh, okay, great. I'll have to skip that event. And then I'll skip that event. And how come you're not coming? Well, I, you know, I don't have a daddy, right? And, and, and if we can do something about that, these men took responsibility for their community. What if we all took responsibility for our community? Because the world needs to hear what you have to say. Now, I'm sure I could run through a list of things that you, could, you can volunteer for around New Hope and around your community, but God has been speaking to your heart, and he will speak to your heart, and I'm gonna trust the Holy Spirit to do that. But here's my question. What is God calling you to do? What is God calling you to say? And I just wanna give you these three points real quick. When you came in, you received teaching notes. These are three reminders. They're not necessarily very deep. They're just three reminders, and I wanna give them to you. Number one, God needs your testimony. He needs your life to preach the gospel that says, I once was lost, now I'm found. God needs your testimony. Here's number two, to prove that God is your father and that he loves you. To prove that God is your father and he loves you because every father loves their child and wants to do what's best for them if they're a good daddy. And we serve a good God. Amen? Number three, let me leave you with this. To serve as a testimony to your children and others around you that God is faithful. That God is faithful. That tells the story that in spite of what I've been through, I'm still here. <laughs> me continuing on is a proof and testimony that God is real. In spite of everything that I've been through, I'm still standing. <laughs> ah, the devil came at me, but I'm still here <laughs> because God is able to do all things and he's able to make all things work together for good to them that love God who are the called according to his purpose. Come on, can we celebrate Jesus today? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for encouragement today, Father. We thank you that your words are life. And Lord, in the same way that we wrote down a few notes to serve as a reminder to us, may you serve as a reminder to us, Lord, how good you are. Father, every situation that we find ourselves in, may we find encouragement from the scriptures and from your Holy Spirit. We love you, Lord. We thank you that you laid your life down for us. And because of that, we're able to have life and have it to the fullest. We love you today, Lord Jesus. And it's in your strong, matchless, mighty, undefeated name we pray. And somebody who loves them, can you shout amen? Yeah. Amen and amen.